we we seek to have identity and identify and not to necessarily have many voices but to have you know that one singular voice that we can relate to. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking with Ruby Johnson, a clinical social worker and sex therapist, and the founder of the Poly Dallas Millennium Conference. Uh, but before we get into that interview, we have a quick shout-out from one of our newish Patreon subscribers. If you support our show at patreon.com slash multiamory at the $15 a month level, you get to have a shout out on our show if you would like. And so Sean's shout out says to Rachel, you are the finest, most fantastic frog I've ever met. I'm so grateful to be called your boyf and explore the world with you. Make kissy sounds. Oh, I see. (laughs) Uh, Just so people know, multiamory does not condone human frog relationships. Um, Yes. Although she seems to but be just, a sentient frog, which maybe changes the terms of like consent with animals. So, like, if the frog can is sentient and can consent, then it's okay, right? I guess that makes sense. Unless it's only like seeming sentient because it's actually a wizard that's controlling it. I mean, this is just getting far too complex. Well, anyway, okay. uh, I hope that what you're doing is consensual and ethical. <laughs> no, but seriously, I hope though, there's no wizards boy, involved, if, or if there are, they are involved, only in a good way. Yeah, yeah, good wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's actually talk about our interview here. Yeah. So uh, Ruby Johnson is a poly and kink-friendly therapist who has 14 years of experience in a variety of behavioral health settings. Currently, she's a private practice therapist in Plano, Texas. Ruby Johnson is on the faculty for the Kink Knowledgeable Program, and Mrs. Johnson serves on the board for the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom and is the CEO, founder, and organizer of Poly Dallas Millennium, LLC. And their fourth annual symposium is going to be July 13th through the 15th of 2018. So you've got lots of time to get your tickets uh, in Dallas. And this year's theme is Rewriting the Rules. It should exciting. be a cool topic. That sounds yeah. like a good one. Definitely. We're going to talk a little bit more about that during the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit more about what Poly Dallas Millennium is all about. Well, let's launch into it. Let's get to that. So, Ruby, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having Welcome, me. Welcome, Ruby. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us a little bit more specifically about Poly Dallas Millennium, about what it is, and also what inspired you to get such a huge project off the ground? All right. Um, so, back in 2015, um, I had the goal of educating therapists here in the Dallas area. And historically, when I put on workshops about kink, BDSM, open relation, um, open relationships, consensual non-monogamy, it has been very, very, very low attendance, mm-hmm. even though they're free. Um, so professionals in this area tend to shy away from 
populations or clients that they feel they won't see or is not in their mm -hmm. wheelhouse. Now, yeah, and so they shy away from that. So we had a workshop, um, a colleague and I, and so we had about 30 people in my office. And a lot of the feedback was we need to do this bigger over two days because it was one day, six hours in my office. It was hot. <laughs> it was very, very ghetto fabulous. <laughs> and so I just I said, OK, well, next year I'll do it over two days. And so in 2016, it was like about 70 people. And then in 2017, we had a, close to 100 wow. people that attended. And so oh. this year, we're looking for it to be even bigger. Um, we're going to do 60. We're going to have 60 speakers. Wow. And so versus oh. 30. So wow. it's, it's really exciting. So, so the, the inspiration was just education. God. Well, I, I wanted to clarify something. So you mentioned at first that it was about educating uh, therapists and things like right. that. But ha has this event, though, turned into like an open to the public thing, or is it still only for, for therapists and counselors? That's a great question. It's actually very community-based now. Okay. Um, we have researchers, academics, we have clinicians, plus um, we have community members. We're doing a lot more hard promoting of getting people from the local area to come in and speak about their real life events, oh, you know, wow. and um, experiences, etc. Wow, great. very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, this is probably a little bit of a weird question, but given your location, which is Texas, which I think of as, okay, this is a red state, this is a place that maybe not many people who are polyamorous would flock to. Uh -huh. Is it actually kind of a thriving community? And are there people who are willing to explore things outside of monogamy there? Well, that's a very good question. Again, um, and what's really interesting is I have like a three-part response to that. Number one, our poly community is highly segregated. So when you say is it thriving, it's difficult to get a full picture because we have the black and poly group. We have, you know, sex positive women and poly. We have poly sapiens, which is more of, you know, like you're 20 to 30 somethings. And so it's, it's, is it thriving? Yes, because I get an opportunity to see all of it. Right. But bringing it all together is really difficult. And since we are in a red state, but Dallas is a blue county, mm. you know, it's, it's oh, a red. lot more sex positivity that is happening. Not very much, <laughs> but it's above par for the, for the state of Texas. Yeah, I've heard that about Austin as well. That those are kind yes. of the two hot spots of, of yeah. liberalism within a pretty conservative area. Yeah, yeah. State, yeah. Dallas, Denton, and Austin are the areas. I see. Got, Got it. it. Okay. Got it. Interesting. Wow. Um, okay, so that's, that's actually cool. a good segue into something else I wanted to ask about when you were talking about the segmentation of the poly community in mm -hmm. in Dallas, and uh -huh. and this is something that is not unique to Dallas, uh, you know, even in Los Angeles, even where in California, it's still very segregated or it feels yeah, that way. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. that okay. there's either, whether it's by age or by sexual preference or by race or all sorts of different things. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to talk a little bit about intersectionality because that's yeah. something that you list specifically as one of your areas that you speak about. Right. And, 
I wanted to discuss, I guess, first of all, I would love to hear a little bit of history from you of the term intersectional and where that uh-huh. came from, because I feel like it wasn't originally used for things like the poly community. And so I was curious right. about kind of the history of that and then how it's become applied to polyamory and relationships. Yeah, um, Kimberly Crenshaw, she's actually, she's a um, professor at, in law. And I want to say at the time where the term intersectionality was coined, it's up on up north on the East Coast side. I can't think of exactly what university okay. that she was at. Um, but this was around the Anita Hill um, trial, you know, the... Um, uh, Anita Hill and uh, was it Clarence? Was Thomas Clarence? Am I probably Clarence getting Thomas. that wrong? Cla- thank you. <laughs> Clarence, thank you. Clarence Thomas. And so she was part of that um, that team that worked with Anita Hill. And so as a result of it, um, what she was showing within the feminist movement that there needs to be other considerations other than being solely a woman. Mm-hmm. There needs to be considerations of race, of gender, of class, of all of these elements, but more specifically around race um, and class needs to be highly considered Mm -hmm. within the the, um, black community when we're talking about our experiences. Um, Within the original article, she called it the political identities. Mm -hmm. And so now Mm -hmm. you fast forward, you know, a couple of decades two or three decades later. (laughs) And so it's, I have my pet peeves and I'm going to try not to go on a political (laughs) rant about how um, intersectionality has been whitewashed, but I did say it out loud Mm. right now. (laughs) Um, And so it's, it's kind of lost its potency. Mm. Okay. Um, It's, it's not as not with as much teeth as it used to be. And so when it comes to working within the poly community, um, there's a whole lot of uh, stigma that is attached more so, this is going to sound ironic, within the white community than within the black community. The reason Mm -hmm. being is that we don't necessarily call it polyamory. You know, it's just a way of of doing. But over the last several years, you know, the last, you know, five to 10 years, it has become more, um, more commonplace to use the word polyamory. And it's kind of swung from the swingers, you know, (laughs) into more people experiencing polyamory. And so as a result of that, we really do have to consider economics. Um, you know, as it stems around class, um, uh, you know, being in an open relationship is expensive, Mm. you know, also we don't market very much about what is available, what is out there. Additionally, a lot of the literature and, and a lot of the books like, you know, opening up, you know, um, like more than two, it's not really with our voice. Right. You know, the African-American right. um, community voice or right. our um, black and brown people all together. Right. Yeah. So th- that's one of the things about Poly Dallas Millennium is that we center people of color, the same gender loving community and um, queer communities mm-hmm. um, at our symposium. We had um, probably at this past symposium about 90 percent of the 
attendees were black and brown or, you know, other um, other groups that are historically um, marginalized or oppressed. Mm -hmm. You know, we had um, folks from South Asia, North Asia. We had individuals, you know, um, from up north Africans. We just had a full mm -hmm. gamut of people mm -hmm. that attended. Wow. That was a long-winded response. That was fantastic. Awesome. And that's so great. I mean, I've heard from clients of mine, as well as people in our community who are people of color, who specifically talk about Poly Dallas Millennium. Oh, really? Being, oh, cool. Yes, no, it's, it's, they, you've been name-dropped many times, specifically as being such a great space where those voices are centered and where there is even just representation. Um, Mm -hmm. Something that obviously that we found, we did a we did an episode not too long ago, kind of taking a survey of how polyamory and non-monogamous relationships are being portrayed in fictional media, like in TV shows and movies, mm -hmm. things like that. You know, and we mm -hmm. spent a whole day like in our pajamas, just watching like so many movies and TV shows, and and so much of it even being represented is very white. You know, even in yeah. fictional yeah. representations, there's even that yeah. one TV show where it was like a white couple wearing white in a white room talking about <laughs> polyamory, you know, it's like, like to an extreme. Jesus. And so it is so yeah. important to have yeah. those spaces where those voices are being centered. Um, and I yeah. think Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was the only example right. where one guy was uh, Indian or something like that and in the And then was, was yeah. a person of color, right? Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's Asian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, have y'all seen the show Insecure? I've heard about it. I haven't, oh, I haven't seen it yet. I need to yeah, watch that, it. That came yeah, out a little bit. That came out pretty recently. Mm -hmm. That was in yeah. the last year. Right. Yeah. But it was it's, before it's, we recorded that episode. Yeah. It's awesome. It's so much yeah. um, political mm. commentary. I've you heard great will things. will love it. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. Well, and Compersion, too. The web series. Yes. 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 It's so Yeah, wonderful. we had Jackie Stone on. That was great. Yeah. Love oh, really? That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. So I'm going to pivot this a tiny bit. And uh -huh. so... For our listeners that don't know, Ruby um, did write a fantastic blog post for us on Multiamory mm -hmm. not too long ago. Um, <laughs> I loved it. And it was actually, Ruby, you you had pitched to me a different blog post um, that we we haven't talked about yet, but you wanted to talk about uh, tokenism in polyamory, mm -hmm. and you wanted yes. to, to talk about you know how it manifests, why it's a problem, and what we can do about it. Yeah. When I was going back over our email thread, I was like, oh right, I never heard anything about this. I really want to know about this. So if you don't mind sharing yeah. now. Yeah. In this context, we'd love to, to discuss that. Yes, yes. Um, I would love to, to talk about it. And um, this is going to be, I'm going to try to contain myself okay. once again. Um, By all means. <laughs> tokenism is, is something that is, oh, uh, God, this is going to be so bad. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the black person of the moment. Right. Um, mm -hmm. th that particular post um, person is placed on this pedestal because there's not so many, there's not very many um, leaders within mm -hmm. a community that are people of color. Mm -hmm. So y'all are in LA, Ron Young, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I've talked to Ron, Lung, Ron Young a lot and about how much he is burned out in, in many mm -hmm. different arenas because he was, you know, he has been the only black man. You know, and then I, I talked to Kevin Patterson and then right. I've talked to Chris Smith, you know, and it's real easy to get burned out within this 
arena because you are the lone voice that is that is supposed to speak for everyone right and then you are the one person that they will have at their event and go look aren't we diverse Mm -hmm. aren't we inclusive you know and it's kind of like that checkbox of this is you know our black or brown person um and also i have found it to be this is going to sound really really odd but it's very true um even polycules are wanting to be inclusive so they'll get their one black partner or their one brown Mm. partner and they'll like look we are cool and chic look we have this partner on with us that is you know black or whatever and it is tokenism not only in the professional arena but in the educating arena and just in relationships alone is a very real thing Mm -hmm. and on many levels it is kind of a oppressive way of living within this very small niche community Mm -hmm. when you're not sure if you are being asked to do something because it's novel Mm. or you're being fetishized or you're just a political poster child of the moment. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of just like a slightly twisted version of being fetishized, really, Mm -hmm. just on a different scale. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, I feel like I end up seeing this because I know like one of like like there are some poly communities that we've talked to that are predominantly white and Mm -hmm. maybe there'll be some awareness of this that that like in a discussion group it'll come up like how can we make this space more inclusive you know how can Mm -hmm. we start to try to desegregate what's Mm -hmm. you know the way that the poly community is in LA right now like what can we actually do to help and Mm -hmm. sometimes it ends up manifesting as tokenism and um because it's kind of like the thought stops after that point right and so I'm wondering like what are some things that people who are in predominantly white polyamorous communities can do that is a step beyond just tokenism You're so sweet. Well, truly, yeah, those of us who are in a majority (laughs) position, which it seems like a lot of people in the polyamory community tend to be white Mm -hmm. and tend to be seen as like these uh, uber rich or Mm -hmm. uber educated or uber whatever. What is something that we can do um, to help and to be allies and to um, help the community at large. Right. Um, and so the, the reason that I, I I giggled is because I was just having this conversation with someone. And, you know, it's, it's real interesting. Um, and this is not anything um, against this, this particular interview, but it's, it's real interesting that people ask, you know, the people of color what they can do mm-hmm. you know to be mm-hmm. more in- inclusive and the the truth is that we are not the people in power mm-hmm. you yeah. know we are the groups that have been oppressed and marginalized and we've been trying to get up to the table for a couple of you know right. centuries here and <laughs> right. so it's, it's yeah. so it's it's kind of like 
what can you do is to maybe take a look at what's going on. Mm -hmm. How is it mm -hmm. that the opportunity hoarding is being manifested within the communities? Mm -hmm. How is it that it's, it's not attractive, you know, um, to the people that you're hoping to attract? It's, it's, it's real easy to go, I am inclusive, come forth. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's a little different to go, you know what, I'm going to actually perform what I say that I am. Right. If I'm saying that I am inclusive, my space is going to look inclusive. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that will happen naturally based upon the behaviors. Like if that actually, those particular groups, yeah. If you're actually walking, walking the walk. I yeah, feel like right. that's the, the tricky part, though, is that, you know, a lot of communities do say very clearly on their front page or whatever, like, we are an inclusive community for all races and orientations mm -hmm. and all of that. But like you're saying, it's, it doesn't look like that yet mm -hmm. and yeah. so mm -hmm. then you end up in this dilemma where it's like okay we got to go find a black person and we got to go find a trans person and we got to go find mm -hmm. this and then we get into tokenism mm -hmm. it's like yeah. that it's like right. that middle ground between what you are and what you want to be it's like how do you right. get there and yeah. oftentimes that is where these things yeah. like like tokenism thing come is from that, like half measures don't cut it basically right. that i think yeah. right. a lot of people are having to realize yeah. Yeah. And and it's about moving beyond that, you know, that checkbox. Right. You know, approach. It's not about, you yeah. know, checking off the various marginalized groups. It's about creating a space to where people can be brave, you know, mm. can show up, can feel like they're welcome, you know, can have yeah. their language spoken, you know, can have their experience shared. Mm. You, you know, there's nothing more awkward to, than to walk into a space and and recognize you know that you're the only speck in a whole sea of milk right. you right. know and 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 to look around and people look to you like 20 faces look to you and say so tell me about what it's like to be black mm -hmm. <laughs> and you just want to go tell me what it's like to be an asshole <laughs> you know and, yeah of uh -huh. course yeah, well, I think that what I see that's interesting is, is I think that when I see groups talking about this or, try, or, you know, struggling with this question of, like, how do we be more inclusive? Like, how do we create a more inclusive space? Is that it, again, forces you to look at the much bigger picture of what's going on outside of just this small group that we're trying to create. Is that it does, mm -hmm. I think it does force a yeah, lot of white people to have to confront, like, systemic racism and the much bigger things that are happening and, like actions taken outside of just this one particular tiny space because like because that's all the bigger you know the bigger space is always going to have an influence on the smaller space because that's the larger context right damn skippy yeah. <laughs> yes mm -hmm. i was I, curious I, I, no, sorry go ahead no i'm done okay <laughs> I, I was just curious because uh in our interview that we did recently with janet hardy we were talking to her about <laughs> Uh, changes that she's seen in the 20 years since The Ethical Slut mm -hmm. came out. And something that she mentioned was that the poly community in general has become more segmented, that it's partly because of the internet, maybe it's because of the community getting bigger, but it used to be like swingers, kink, poly, everybody was like, the few of us we can find, <laughs> we're the community. But now mm -hmm. that it's a little bit bigger, there's, you know, the solo poly is separate over here and the relationship anarchists have broken off over here. Right. Do you feel like 
this might be like part of a similar trend of people because on the internet you can find whatever specific thing you are and so why bother with trying to negotiate a, a more mixed group when i can find specifically people like me online yeah i mean um sameness seeks its own level right mm-hmm. you know and so um it's kind of like that saying we tend to migrate to where we're comfortable. It's like if you come into a room, you know, and I'm in a, you know, a, a room full of queer black women, um, and there are a few people over here who are white people, they may migrate, you know, the three white people to that corner because that's where they feel safe. Mm. You know, and if you take it to the internet now, we're able to reach globally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we don't mm-hmm. have to search so hard. So I'm I'm a firm I firmly agree, you know, that we we seek to have identity and identify and not to necessarily have many voices but to have, you know, that one singular voice that we can relate to. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their sites specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store, and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Given that we're in Los Angeles and we tend to live in a bubble um, of a lot of people being quite liberal and quite, you know, for or against certain things, Uh um, I was interested in considering that we live in a community now, or in a country, actually, that we're on one end, some people are marching you know, and they're white supremacists mm. and it's insane and <laughs> seems incredibly fucking backwards and awful. Um, and like, we're losing 
losing all of the things that we've gained in the last you know decade or in the last uh, sixty years um, is are there worse challenges that um, people in the polyamorous community and specifically the black and poly community are facing at this point um, rather than any other time in history or any other time in recent history. Well, uh, just because of the increasing volatility within the administration that's currently here. Well, you know, um, that is a very complex question and I'm I'm going Mm -hmm. to try to do it succinctly, which is saying that the sexualization Mm -hmm. of um, the black community has been one that has been stereotyped as hypersexual. Um, And so when we think about polyamory, it also, it already comes with this stigma. And then so you place the stigma of being a black person and how you're perceived as loose, whorish, um, um, without moral, you know, character. And so when we introduce that simultaneously, we want to become more sexually liberated. We are also bucking up against stereotypes and decades of history. And so we're having to deconstruct our own shit plus buck against society's expectations of our sexuality Mm -hmm. to find our own. And so if if I can say anything is that this is a bittersweet time. Mm. Mm. It's like the narrative is being perpetuated to some degree by this administration oh about just being oh, out with, there at all with oh um oh just with oh boy anything. that's in office oh boy that's in office you know <laughs> yeah that's that per- our whole, all of our sexual yeah. freedoms are being trampled upon. Yeah. You know, exactly. um, we had a town hall meeting, um, a state of the union yeah. following the 2016 um, elections at this past Poly Dallas. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're very political. And so mm-hmm. we were actually talking about our sexual health, our human right mm-hmm. to be sexual beings and how our intimate lives are being legalized or criminalized Mm -hmm. on Mm -hmm. on a regular basis and you know that conversation i'm just waiting for them to say you know that they're going to overturn the loving hearing you know Mm -hmm. statue or the, the loving uh, precedents that you know we can't have interracial relationships i'm just waiting for it all to just come shattering and coming on down Well, so we're all in threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does seem like fucking hope that doesn't happen. Like connected to all of it though, it does seem like a time where like you said, I guess what was the term that you used? Like bittersweet? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that it's that it is kind of this opportunity for really, f- you know, figuring some of these things out. But I I hope that it doesn't get that bad before we start figuring those things out and keep moving, <laughs> yeah, and keep moving those. forward. Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe hopefully you know that's a good point. It's like hopefully we can recognize what it's kind of like having the two experiences, what it's like to be somewhat free, 
Mm. And then what it's like to have that somewhat free taken away. It's kind of like we had these Mm. few steps and now somebody's going to come in with their damn executive orders, Mm. you know, and say that this is not okay. Mm -hmm. It's like, what the hell, man? We just got here. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want them to come and get me through the internet. So. (laughs) (laughs) Um. All right. We so, all damned ourselves a long time ago. If, yeah. that's, if that's the case, yeah, right. oh, for sure. Um, so I wanted to, to sure. change directions a little bit here and talk to you briefly about being a poly and kink friendly therapist and counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I was curious about. So you were saying that you started Poly Dallas Millennium originally as a way of educating other therapists and counselors right. and coaches and those sorts of things, right? And educators. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's grown to be more for the public. But you said the reason why people originally wouldn't come is because they felt like, well, why am I going to go to a workshop on this thing Mm -hmm. if I'm not getting those clients? And obviously they're not getting those clients if they're not trained in that thing. But aside from that, Mm -hmm. I was curious. Or they don't even know that they have those clients and they're not talking to them. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so that kind of gets, I guess, a little bit into my question here, which is, are there some things that you think... Uh, a kink aware, you know, poly friendly professional like that can bring two people in monogamous relationships or maybe more traditional, <laughs> more vanilla relationships. Like, is there an advantage to taking some of those ideas to monogamous clients who have no interest in changing that? I have turned out about 50% of my clients in the open. Re- no, <laughs> but that's true. Wow. I have. That's <laughs> because, um, and, and that's great because a lot of, you know, having a multifaceted lens and value system as a therapist, you know, and, and having that ability to kind of help a client maybe to see a different perspective that is not, you know, deviant and, and, and abnormal and all of that, you know, we are able to have a more robust experience in therapy. You know, as a sex therapist, when a client comes in and they've been married for, you know, 20 years and they want to do something a little different, they still love their partner, but they kind of want to spice it up, you know, I can say, you know, why don't you get some rope and some, (laughs) a flogger and some canes and, you know, (laughs) right. Try some things, you know, go to town. (laughs) Let's let's try some things, you know, or go out to the bar and pick somebody up. And, and, you know, it, it, it happens. And so what I can say is that it has helped me a lot you know, to be able to lead and guide clients and give them information and resources and videos and just all of these things that they can find out on their own where they want to be, where they want their sexuality to go, and maybe what they have not considered in the past. Mm. Cool. I think that I guess, yeah. So I, I think something that I've come up against in my own practice of being a coach, first of all, uh-huh. there's the funny thing that like a majority of my clients are in therapy as well at the same time. And mm-hmm. it's because hmm. they come to me because they can talk to everything, like can talk to their therapist about everything except polyamory and kink. And so mm-hmm. it's like, they've kind of like, kind of fill outsourced, in, that gap. Fill in yeah. that gap there with, with one other person. So like, that's something that's very common. But I found that 
a couple other phenomenon, which is that um, sometimes, I don't know if you've experienced that maybe somebody who is more traditionally minded or more monogamous or maybe more vanilla may be hesitant to go to a therapist who is more poly or kink friendly because they're afraid like, oh, they're going to turn me poly and kink. <laughs> um, have you yes. come up against that? Yes, yes. And so that's when I, if they, I don't try to bring them where I want them to be. You know, if I meet them where they're at and then they're like, you know, I just don't know what to do. And then that's when I go, hey, hey. have you thought about this? <laughs> You know, and there are some monogamous clients who come in, you know, say, for example, if they're dealing with infidelity and they come in and they're like, well, I don't want you to think my my partner needs to do this because they cheat. I'm like, no, I'm like, this is not my relationship. I'm like, this is your relationship, you know. And so what what is your commitment? What is your relationship you know, um, model, what do you want it to be? And so I have to also break down those stereotypes about being a therapist also. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Right. Definitely. That you're not trying to make them into something. You're just helping them find yeah. what's yeah. right for them. Yeah. 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 So when I said turn them out, it's with consent. Yeah. That's a whole other service altogether. Brainwashing you. Yeah. yeah. Coming down monogamous. I'm going to lose 20 clients. So, wow. I mean, I think that we're coming to the end here. This has been so fantastic. And you've shared so much wisdom and so much knowledge with us. And we're so grateful for that. Um, we have the same ending question that we ask all of our interview guests. And mm -hmm. Uh, if you were going to pick one piece of advice to give someone who's interested in opening up their relationship or exploring non-monogamy, what would that one piece of advice be? Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, don't take yourself too seriously. Wow. I, I, I love that. that. I love that one. so much. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Just have fun. Heck yes. I love it. Nice. That's awesome. <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. Well, thank you it's so been a much. Pleasure. Yeah. Thank yes. you so much. This Ruby. was fun. Thank you. This was a lot of fun. All right. Well, we'll hope to have you on the show again in the future, and hopefully, we can come to Poly Dallas Millennium at Seriously, some point. Hopefully, this next year. I was going to ask you that, but I'll awesome. email it. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. If you'd like to have your question or comment played on the show, you can call six seven eight M U L T I zero five. You also can email us at info at multiamory.com or send us a message on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. To support our show and join our private Facebook community, go to patreon.com slash multiamory. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Dedeker Winston, and me, Emily Matlack. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand. From the Fractal Cave EP. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.